All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080, The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. And we have a little bit of an emergency pod on our hands, or as Angie would call it, a 91-wood podcast as Gary Anderson and Oregon City have mutually parted ways. Um, we haven't, Angie, you and I haven't texted. We, I, when I got you on the phone to record the podcast, we didn't even talk because I just wanted this to be as, as raw as possible, your feelings on the program, Gary Anderson, everything. So I'll just start with your basic reaction to what how you felt and 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 what you were thinking when you heard the news um yeah i was shocked i was, I was really shocked i um I, I expected that we would see uh you know a coordinator or two or a a, a coach that would be let go at some point you know if, if things were continuing and but you know our, our writer amy amy schwartz actually broke the news she she got the news this morning or around eleven twenty five this morning and called me and just was like you're not going to believe this, you know, coach Anderson is, is leaving the program. He's stepping down. And, and then as like, you know, you get the press release thing that he's leaving without um, taking, you know, his, his contract. So um, I think the number I've seen is 12.6 million. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever seen that happen in college. So I know there's been some people talking about, you know, firings. No, this wasn't a firing. Scott Barnes was just on a, on a press conference. <laughs> this was a mutual that they had been speaking weekly, um, Barnes had said, um, and just uh, this was something that Gary, I guess, kind of came up with on his own. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't as surprised maybe as others. Like, you still don't expect, I didn't expect to wake up today on a Monday at 11.40 a.m. and get a news dump that Gary Anderson wants to leave Oregon State. Um, and it's 100%. He wanted to leave. It's not a firing in any way, as Angie said, uh, just because everything that's lined up, they have to pay him if they fire him. Um why would a coach that gets fired say, no, I don't want $12.6 million after you've canned me? That that just doesn't line up. It makes no sense. And Scott Barnes' comment, I think, alluded to it without saying anything of conversations were had for a few weeks there. That's a disturbing thing to me. Um, to hear that conversations were going on, I, I'm actually really proud of Scott Barnes. I, I think it's important to put that out there right away of, Scott Barnes is really tight with Gary Anderson. Like they hired him for Gary Anderson, and yeah. he's he's you know he's got a good reputation. He's he's a good a good AD in my opinion. And for him to have that conversation get brought up, and then to revisit the conversation, and then to ultimately go, let's just cut bait here. I think that is a very commendable job by him, and I think that's a lot harder than people would give credit for. So not only did you score the $12.6 million, which for Oregon State is everything, you were able to identify, I'm not gonna, you're not going to wait around here and hold the program in this, this university hostage. He, he, he didn't allow that to happen. He stepped in, and he had two conversations, and after the second one said, look, you're not happy. You're stressed. This isn't fun for you. Let's just cup eight. And he initiated it. So I, I, I want to give Scott Barnes some credit at the beginning of the podcast for identifying it because I don't know how many ADs truly would. I could totally see certain former ADs at this program having the conversation and then going, well, let's just get through the year and we'll revisit how you feel. And then, boom, Oregon State gets burned and loses out on a coaching candidate. Exactly. So exactly. I, I liked that Scott Barnes was proactive about this. And you know what? They were going to suck anyway. Make the call at midseason. And, and, you know, I, I do think, like you said, this is where maybe the friendship played a role. And, and Scott Barnes was visibly kind of, you know, teared up at one point during the press conference. And, you know, this, 
this wasn't necessarily a boss and a and a employee. This, you know, they'd been having conversations as friends. I, I really think, you know, it was granted. I mean, they both were feeling pressure from, you know, outside sources, outside forces. But um, this, these were friends that were talking, and you know. Gary, by you know, some sources told me. I mean, that he was basically living in Valley Football Center, just trying to get this thing to right. You know, and that's not good for anyone. No, so, that's not healthy at all. Um, no, I mean, for this to happen like this, and the way it worked out, like you said, Oregon State, there's no way you could buy him out. And um, for this to happen, I mean, it just it, it was a selfless. You know, Gary will land on his feet. He'll get a job, and. Um, very, very intriguing thing. I don't think I've ever seen happen in college football. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very strange. I mean, you have, um, yeah, you haven't seen it necessarily in college football. You've had like Bobby Petrino did this to the Falcons. He had that whole weird deal um, when he left college, went to the NFL. But you know, the thing about Gary Anderson too is uh, why I'm not surprised is you know, regular listeners of the podcast. I, I, I talked about this two weeks ago. Like, I'm not surprised he's choosing to leave Oregon State. I thought he would do it at the end of the year. Uh, I, I didn't need a source to to tell me that. You know, we, you and I have talked on and off the pod, and I've heard things in in the past, and you've heard things in the past, and you just touched on how he's living in Valley. Like, unhappiness has been there for a little bit now. This is not like the the recent week or two. This has been going on for almost the whole season, and that's why I'm not surprised because he's in the prime of his coaching career. I think if you stick it out and let's say they go one and eleven, just for argument's sake, you go into year four. Who's your quarterback? It's still not looking great. You suck again. You've now had four straight years of being god-awful. Your reputation takes a little bit of a hit. Exactly. Whereas this is, you went to Oregon State. Most people identify it's not a great football program. You did an honorable thing and left the money. And you're still a guy that people could point to and say, look, Wisconsin, Utah State are more who he is than Oregon State. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can totally understand how a program would 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 bite on that. So uh, that's why I wasn't as surprised, I think, as other people, is because I I wasn't sold that he was as committed to this as other media members or even some fans. And, and you know the funny thing, Angie, I was at the USC game. Yeah, yeah. And I I I know a guy pretty well that is connected to it, like really connected to it. And he comes up to me Friday night and Saturday morning, two different times, and goes, "Hey, this group." with the football program at USC is all saying that they're done. The coaching staff for Oregon state is done. And I go, Oh yeah. Well, I mean the coordinators and the assistants, I mean, I can understand they're not good recruiting and they're not good at play calling. You know, it's not going well. I get it. And he goes, no, 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 all of them. They're all done. That's all they're talking about. That group. Wait, is, this was USC. I mean, USC people. Were yes. This, this, no, this was USC football oh. team. People Okay, were all saying that they had heard that they were done. So this leads me to believe that taking it a step further, this decision was made before the game. Before the game. Um, and again, I, I'm not sitting here telling you with 100% certainty. I'm just I'm trying to pass along what I heard. And Interesting. I'm not going to well, throw people under you know, the bus. Our writer was down at, at the USC game as well, and she said after the game that it was, it was strange how kind of calm Gary was. You know, typically after a loss like that, he would have been pretty fired up and so maybe he had already resigned himself to the fact that he was he was done. I and I I totally buy into it. Um, we'll never get it verified by Barnes or or Anderson. Anderson doesn't want to rehash this because he wants no. to move forward. And Barnes got a twelve point six million dollar gift, and he doesn't want to throw anybody under. But um, yeah, I heard that, and I still didn't expect it to happen. Like at the end of the year, it would have made sense. But to hear that and then to watch it every everything kind of 
come to fruition in that sense where the coordinators are basically like you just know the staff is basically done. Yeah, yeah. And that's 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 amazing to me that another football program could hear those whispers and go, Yeah, yeah they're done. Like that's all they're talking about. They're done. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's you know, maybe that's why uh, SC seemed to take it a little easy on him. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> I, wait, that the funny thing, the funny thing about that, Angie, if he was still the coach and we were doing our podcast on our normal Wednesday, I, I honestly was saying, okay, you know what? I've probably been very pessimistic for Beaver fan the last few weeks, and I don't want to be a negative person. I also think sometimes it's not negativity; it's just a reality. So I sat at that game and I'm roasting 110 degree temperatures, no no, no shade at all. And I just sat there and I go, all right, let's watch this game. And I'm watching that game and I think, God, if Oregon State has a quarterback, they're in this. They are. They're in that game in the fourth quarter. The defense had caused turnovers. You got you had three straight red zone trips that I think you just walked away with three points from. Yeah. You have a case to be made that if you have a quarterback – that team is competing. I liked what I saw. Like defensively, they were more intense. I thought they applied pressure. Um, they were active. Oregon State's offense, they got back to running the ball. They established a little bit of a push on the offensive line. Like I was ready to come Wednesday and talk nothing but hope, 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 hope. What I liked, what I liked, what I liked. And then this happens. It's... Uh... You know, that's I, I saw quite a bit of things. You know, I thought the offense looked better. But, see, now you were down in L.A., so you missed what t- I turned my husband, like, completely sour on Saturday. Um, talking about quarterback situations. So, you know, Oregon State is. They're, like, razor thin at quarterback. But we watched the Iowa State game where they beat Oklahoma. Yeah. And the quarterback that beat them is Kyle Kemp. So, uh, real quick, not to interrupt you, how the hell does Kyle Kemp have eligibility? Even as a red shirt, wasn't that like seven years ago? No, he he came in what twenty thirteen. God, that just feels so long ago. Twenty fourteen, twenty fourteen. Wow. Yeah, so he was. Um, but you know, he's um, you know here. I mean, he's a walk on at Iowa State, but he left. You know, here is a kid who was told by Oregon State by Coach Anderson that you're not going to play here. So he goes the JUCO route, walks on at Iowa State, and then ends up leading them um, past number three team in the country. You have Luke Del Rio, who the week before had told the newspaper how Coach Anderson told him that he would never play at Oregon State and has gone on to start at Florida. And then, you know, the Marcus McMarion wound, you know, right there, he's playing now down at Fresno State. Yeah. And already took the starting gig. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, the just. The way quarterback, I mean, you have any one of those guys on your roster right now, and things might not be so dire. So let me ask you this, because there's a, diff- there's a lot of different directions we need to go with this podcast and, and also talk about the future a little bit. So I, I've seen some of the players on this team tweet, and I've seen, you know, like Amy has been tweeting. She just tweeted this, um, heard from a Go Beavs player who said Beaver Nation doesn't know Gary like we do, most of them wouldn't understand how hurt we are. It feels like more players are like publicly supporting him. And it's a, that's a very interesting position given he he basically quit on him. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm not conflicted the opinion. I mean, it's flat out. The dude was worn down. It wasn't working and he did what he did at Wisconsin. He walked away. Um, You can call that quitting, which I would, or you can have other people who have defended him and say, that's not quitting, you know, it, that's fine. He wa- he still walked away. 
I am kind of surprised at the amount of, I guess, support he's gotten for a decision that seems to be, if I was a player, that would piss me off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but Gary, you know, was a real father figure to a lot of these players. And, um, right, you know, but, their, I, but their father just walked away. I mean, if we're going to yes, use yes. that analogy, and it just, there's got to be something to this that we're not hearing, or we haven't heard, and we'll never hear probably. And do the players think that he was fired? You know, I mean, that's the. Did he? Yeah, maybe he told them that. I, I don't know. So, um, but he know, wasn't know, but... like he, he straight wasn't like Scott Barnes. I've I've seen some other comments too from other reporters too covering the beat. I mean Scott Barnes. Here's a quote right here. He felt convict, uh, convicted that this was the right decision. That's from Danny Moran. He had another one where he basically said after lengthy conversations they had come to this conclusion. Like this was not him being fired. This was probably Barnes being approached by Anderson. Saying, I don't think this is going well. I'm I'm miserable. Barnes says, All right, well, let's revisit the revisit. And they keep hearing the conversation. And it's Gary Anderson saying he wants to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, but the players, you know, you look at social media. I, I did speak to a former player who, uh, you know, said it hurts. It's things right now. But, you know, once I get back to football, and, you know, it could be a rallying cry now. You know, now they all want to win one for Gary. Well, you know, they wanna- yeah. This is the weekend. If you're going to have a, a win, I think this is one of the games on your schedule, even though I think Colorado's better than you. I think this is one of those games where, all right, you want to rally cry, you want to be motivated. Colorado's in the real dumps right now. They've lost like three straight games. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, even Amy called me this morning after this, and she was like, I, I don't understand because this, they, they could potentially win this game. And, you know, that's, I think, what I, I still hadn't picked them as a win yet, but, you know, it is. It's a, strange timing, especially but with a bye coming up. If if they would have played how they played against USC against Colorado, I would have given them a great shot to win. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Like USC was, it's not like USC was out there putting up 600 yards of offense, you know? I got Sam Darnold, you got uh, Jones, you got Burnett. Yeah, USC does not, and I, you know, look, I grew up an SC fan. I, you know, used, used to cheer for, for them, and to watch them, that's not the US, that's not one of USC's you know, greatest teams ever. No, I mean, no. I was surprised that they were even a, a top 20 team, to be well, honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I think them and Washington, it, there's a big difference between the two programs. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard, man. There, there's a lot of weird things involved with this whole, that's the whole move. And, yeah. and that's the other thing, too, is I, I don't like, I don't want to bash him too much because, again, he did OSU is solid with the money, but. I mean, this is the second time you've quit as a coach, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. You're an AD, isn't? Aren't you viewing it that way? I mean, that's I, I, my Twitter feed is like blown up with that. Those same exact sentiments. Like, if let's name any program, whether it's a big time program or a small program, whatever. If you're going to hire him, don't you look and go, "All right, you left Wisconsin after getting to a Big Ten title game. That's a little weird." Oh, and then you went to Corvallis, and then you. In two and a half years, you decided to walk away. Like, you've had back-to-back moments now where I don't know if it's pressure by an AD and losing. Like, they're both different, but they've gotten to the point where they've pushed him to quit. Yeah. And, it, you know, Oregon State was, you know, way different than the whole Wisconsin thing. But, you know, I, I feel Oregon State was a way more tenuous spot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they had more to lose. But, um, you know, I, I think at this point you just have to be like, okay, 
it's, it's what's done is done. Oregon State's moving in a different direction. Gary's moving in a different direction. And now it's up to Scott Barnes and Ed Ray to find the best possible coach they can find. And they're not doing a uh, committee like they did last time? With no, the they, I didn't hear anything about a committee. I no. did hear him. I mean, they, they are using a search firm. Yep. But, um, you know, that's pretty standard to reach out to the agents and do some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, if it was coaches needing, you know, to tell their AD when they're going to. So now it takes out that whole little middleman of, you know, Scott Barnes needing to call, you know, XYZ University's AD to speak with their search firm, reach out and talk to, you know, then agents of AD go backdoor that way. Um, it gives them a head start so they're not waiting, you know, going to be in the rush at the end of the season looking with everyone else for coaches. But, you know, I, I think it's, you know, Gary did – you know, the, I would I would argue that the cupboard is not bare. There's a lot of great athletes on this program, but the sooner they can get this done, the better. Just as far as recruiting goes. Okay, uh, let me ask you this then. On that on that note, is it worse shape than right like after Riley? Oh no, not? no. This is they are in way I would say way better shape. Why? Uh, as far as, Why? Just as far as players, I mean. Faster, they're you know faster, uh, lengthier. You know, depending on what type of of players, you know, the next coach, what type of offense. But they have, um, you know, I, I would say a higher caliber of recruit right now in Corvallis than when Riley left. Not that Riley couldn't recruit because he showed that he could, but Riley's recruiting had tailed off a lot, and he didn't take advantage of those couple you know Rose Bowl years they had. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Well. How are you going to remember Gary Anderson? Well, he was hard. I mean, it was such a change from, from Riley, right? You know, especially from a media member where, you know, Riley, everything was open and um, to everything kind of closed down. But, you know, I, this is kind of an, a, a funny aside. You know, Gary has this really hard demeanor. I, I, you know, he's, he's gruff and he's, you know, some people say he's kind of scary and intimidating. And my first year covering or, you know, Gary's first summer, they have their, you know, kid camp for all the little kids. And so my little five-year-old nephew and my, I think he's my seven-year-old son at the time, took part. And it, I mean, it was a great time. So if any of your, you know, listeners have kids, always do the kid, those kid camps because they're great. Uh, you know, the players run them and run the stations. But my little five-year-old nephew is like sticking with my kid. He's totally sticking with him the whole time. Well, somehow Maddie got separated from Jack and he was like in the middle of the field crying. And Coach Anderson, I guess, had found him, started talking to him, got down on his knees, right, to talk to this little five-year-old. Super sweet. My sister-in-law saw them wandering around looking for Jack. And, you know, Jen came running over there to to grab him. And, and Coach Anderson said, you know, I, I get your mom, but we're not looking for mom. We're looking for Jack. Mm-hmm. And I got it. I, you know, and just really took care. And, you know, from that point on, my brother and sister-in-law were just like, dude, he's a really good guy. See, yeah. And, and I think that's a really good story. I, I don't disagree. I bet he is a really genuinely good guy at heart. I think you have to be to walk away from $12.6 million. <laughs> Could you um, do that, Brandon? No, hell no. Uh, I can, I can call the guy a quitter. That is something commendable that I will never be that kind of person. Um, I could be an outstanding citizen my whole life. But I would live with everybody calling me selfish if it meant I take $12.6 million. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That is an insane amount of money. Um, you would take the $12.6 million and just say, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would fully, I fully admit, I would, if I quit, I would take $12.6 million. Let alone if I got fired, I want $12.6 million. That's $12 million. But let me, let me, um, let me put it to football because I think that's a great story, Angie. I really do. 
And I, I've heard a couple other people with really good stories like that. Like, what a person he was. Just in a football standpoint, when you bring up Gary Anderson at Oregon State, specifically just Oregon State, my instant reaction will be overrated quitter. Okay. And I that is very harsh labels to put on a human. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this guy came in. They won two games in year one. He did make the decision himself to switch everything and get rid of Adele Rio. So he didn't have the pieces of the offenses he wanted to run. He was struggling in year two until he played Arizona and Oregon, the two worst teams in the conference, have no defense whatsoever. They got some wins, built up the momentum, and in the offseason was talking about how this was a bowl team, how, how much better he thought they were, and they look worse. They look about as bad as they were in year one. So you, you took a huge step back, and the reason I say overrated this guy came in, and I think because of the way he interviews and the way he talks about things and he's straightforward, I think it clouds a little bit of judgment. He he really didn't – he never achieved an identity. No. Nope. He, he, he tinkled with the – he toyed with – I should say toyed. I tinkled, Wayne Tinkle. Uh, <laughs> he toyed with things way – he was too hands-on. Like, you can yep. be hands-on. He was too hands-on. And this was like a foregone conclusion by – myself, other media members, and fans, that this dude was going to lead Oregon State back to being a prominent bowl team or maybe even a team that contends in the Pac-12 from from a from a random year-to-year basis. And they couldn't have been further from that. No, exactly. I mean, I just I got a text from one of my writers saying, gosh, it was crazy that a few years ago we thought this was a home run hire. Um, I, yeah, harsh, but everything you said, I found myself shaking my head agreeing with. Um, you know, that's... I think hearing and it, it coming from what what Riley was, who was real kind of odd, gee shucks, golly darn, um, to have someone like Anderson come in who could articulate exact, you know, I want this, we're going to be tough, we're going to be this, we're going to be that. I think Beaver fans, I think the media, everybody kind of bought into that. Like, all right, you know, this guy sounds like a football coach, and he did. He brought, I think, tough mindedness to the team. Although we're not seeing it this year, that's maybe almost too hard, too tough, too hard to handle. Um, but you're right. I mean, I you look at it and you're like, I thought, I thought, hearing him that he was going to be a great CEO for the football program, and and with a CEO head coach, you want that coach to hire amazing offensive coordinator, an offensive defense, or an amazing defensive coordinator, and let those guys do their thing, mm-hmm. and you spend your time managing the whole program, recruiting those kind of things, and. You know, immediately after year one, he demotes Baldwin, and then Kalani leaves. And you know, I it it, it it's been a shambles basically. I think ever since it's, yeah. just, it's never taken a di- identity where he really wanted that RPO offense. Then you know, he's he's like you said, tinkered. He's played around with it too much. Yeah, I also have a I do I do have a problem as somebody that's failed many a times at things professionally and in my personal life in different regards. I always have a tough time with people that when it gets tough, they quit. They quit. And you know what's interesting about the whole personality thing and and being a genuinely good person? And like you can still have that. I also find it very odd that you can be that kind of person. You can be this, you know, we need to to grind. We need to keep working hard. Uh, I think we're a lot closer than people think. You You can spew that message all you want, but now your last two times you have straight quit. And it's just a very odd contradiction to who you appear to be. 
Yeah, it is. It's it's not who you would expect him with his the hard demeanor, the hard shell to um to do that. What he demands out of his team, etc. And and I think that's what has so many people. I think also when you win a civil war game because it hadn't happened in so long for Oregon State fan, look, that that buys you more a lot of goodwill. Yeah, a lot of goodwill. And that's for sure what that win did. Um, again, I want to fully admit, I was just like you, everybody else. I was all in. I thought, year three, bowl team, seven wins, here we go. And I have just been, I've been stumped at how bad that they've got. I mean, this is... Well, it wasn't even so bad. This is so Those bad. first few games, the second half, when they like don't even look like they know what I, they're doing. Yes. I mean, that's, that's the most baffling part. You know, I can take losses, and but you expect them to lose and but be competitive. They're not competitive. No. I mean, they're one win is against a 0-5 Big Sky team, and they barely eke that out. They should have lost the game. Let's yeah. be honest. If no, Portland stands a kicker, they lose the game. So that's I think that is a they should be 0-6. That's crazy to think about, possibly 0-6. As bad as 1-5 feels, 0-6 with a Portland State loss. I mean, I just I can't even wrap my brain about how much worse that feels. And you know, like, than my husband and I does. talked about this weekend. No matter how, I mean, Riley had some clunkers of games, right? But no matter how bad the Riley years, you know, how, they were usually competitive, right? I mean, the teams were competitive in most of the games. Are you talking sub-bowl season Riley years? Because, I mean, let's be fair to Riley, too. In most years, he was a bowl team. Yeah, yeah. You know? But, you know, even, like, you'd have some bad games in there, like really bad games. But for the most part, they were competitive. Well, okay, let me look. This, I'm going to look something up real quick. Because my first year out of college was 2011. Okay. And I worked for Comcast. That's when you and I met. Yep. And I had to cover Oregon State. That was my job. I was on the Oregon State beat. And I'm going to look it up right now, but that was their year. They went 3-9. and nine. They lost to Sac State that year. Sean Mannion came in. Okay, yes, that was a bad year. That uh, No, that was Riley's worst year as a head coach. Yep. Now, let me look up something real quick. I want to see, because I remember vividly the Wisconsin game was a blowout. Sac State, you lost, so, you know, that's no excuse there. Um, but you still lost, but you were right. That came down to a two-point conversion that they caught. And then I vaguely remember the Civil War game at Autzen. That one was kind of close for a first half, and then Oregon ran away with it. So give me one second here. I'm going to look this up real quick. So that year, <clears throat> I don't know. Here we go. My internet would load. Okay. Just hit that 15-second button on your iPhone. Okay. So Sac State, they lost. Then they got killed at Wisconsin. They lost to UCLA by eight. They lost at Arizona State. That one the Sun Devils pulled away from. Then they beat um, Nick Folk in Arizona. Then they lost by 10 to BYU. At Washington State, they won. Utah, they got killed. Stanford killed. Cal, not competitive. Washington, you beat Washington that year, 38-21. And then you were in the first half, and then Oregon pulled away. So even in your example, what you're saying, like his worst year, there was a handful of games that you're close in, whereas this year it's just, I don't know. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, in th- the first three years of a career, even though he didn't get to finish the year, 
he only has one more win than Jerry Pettibone did. Ooh. So when I say Pettibone bad, it really was Pettibone bad. Yikes. So I, I it's it's such a weird story. It is. It is. Um, but now, so now, like, all this has happened. We, we've had great coverage on Blitz. Um, but now it goes to, like, who the next coach is going to be. Well, I'll tell you who I'd want. Who do you want? So Bo I th- Baldwin. I want Bo Baldwin. Um, yeah. I think you have you have to go offensive-minded here. I think if they go defensive-minded, um, hold, hold me on this podcast, mark this point, because I'm sure it's going to come back. I think you go defensive-minded, you're running into the same problems you had. I think you go up and coming offensive mind, and I think that's honestly the only thing you really can get, unless you want to shock the world and get another Gary Anderson, somebody we all know to leave a prominent program uh, randomly for Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working right now. Um, we'll be coming up with our coaching hot board here shortly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I've reached out to the Blitz Blitz staff to kind of get their their thoughts, and you know, the majority is saying they need an offensive guy. I mean, we've got names. Give you, like well, Jonathan Smith is another one that people have popped up with. Yeah. Um, Chip Kelly, what does that name do to you? Uh, Chip Kelly is an absolute no, and that is impossible, not realistic. Um, I wouldn't want Chip Kelly at all. Chip Kelly was somebody that hit right place, right time. Everybody runs that system. He has no chance of recruiting in Corvallis. No thanks. How about Sark? Sarkeesian's an, an an interesting one, but would you leave Atlanta as an OC to go be an or- Oregon State head coach, or do you buy your time, build good? In Atlanta now, or is he is he in the NFL? Or I yeah, think he was, he's uh, Alabama. The, no, he left Alabama okay, for the Falcons' Alabama. offensive okay. coordinator job. Um, and if you're him, think about this: if you're Sark, you're there for two or three years, and then and then you have no incidents with alcohol. You're now a hot commodity again. Look at that offense. Sark's back. He's figured out his demons. It's a redemption story. He could get a better job, I think, than Oregon State. I think you weighed it out if and you're see, Sark. Like, like Charlie Strong was an interesting one, but I don't see him leaving USF. No Why chance. Would you leave? No chance. I mean, you can recruit right in your own backyard. None. Mike Bobo. What do you think of that one? If you're Bobo, do you play it out and wait for a better job? Yeah, could. How how big of a how big of a leap is Colorado State to Oregon State to you? As far as prestige, just. Coaching career, you have a career. Is that a big enough step, or do you wait for a bigger you, step? Yeah, you wait and hold out. See, yeah, yeah. I, I do too. I, I I really do think. Um, I don't know. Ann Hawkins is another one that was pe- passed out. Hell there. no! <laughs> Come on, we want Hawkins. Goodness. Look, I I I don't know where this is gonna go, and I'm sure people are gonna be speculating for months. But I Baldwin and Smith kind of have the 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 top two right now. If you were talking to to Beaver fans, or I, at least uh, fans on our staff, or on you know the, on our board. Well, you and I agree on on, on a tweet that I put out um, in this regard. I said Bo Baldwin or Jonathan Smith as head coach, and then I go I go take Keith Hayward as a DC. Yeah. Oh, completely, completely. Because then you have the Corvallis slash OSU alum guy who knows what it's like to coach there, recruit there, be a part of it, and he's an up and coming coach who's a hell of a recruiter. And then you mix it with an offensive mind. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's about as home run as you're going to get. In terms of what's realistic, you know, my again minus the you have a Gary Anderson, somebody leaving their program for Oregon State situation. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I try. I do. I do trust Scott Barnes. I do too. I mean, I 
I, I liked what I heard from him today. Um, he didn't really give away too much, um, but yet he, you know, I, I thought this could be really hard, and it obviously was hard for him, you know, being a friend of, of Gary's, but, um, you know, he was able to, to make the decision, or together they were able to make the decision. Yeah. Do you... Th- um when I say the future of Oregon State, how do you feel about it? Um, I, I feel it's in the balance right now. I mean, it's it's really as far as like the future. I think I think it's bright. I, I do. I think uh, I've, I like Scott Barnes. I, I've heard some great things from him, and as far as facilities and their plan going forward. But he's a lot of an unknown commodity as well. You know, Beaver fans don't know him. Yeah. It's, it's the first time now Oregon State has really stepped out of that whole Barnhart tree when you think about it. You know, Coach, or Barnhart was here, and then Bob DeCareless was next, and then then you had um, Stansberry. Stansberry, who yeah. was under under those guys. So this is a completely new direction, and uh, I, I think we see some changes. I don't, I, unlike Anderson, who when he came in really kind of blew things up, um, Scott, I think, is taking a more um, – methodical approach to it but i do think this is in the balance right now i mean this hire is huge for not just oregon state football it's huge for the entire department if 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 they miss do you think there's a maybe not as long but like a 28 year you remember that that stretch like are, are you afraid that if they miss the program goes that direction um or do no. you or do you think it's it's more like uh and i'll give a listener on my radio show credit for this one is it more like Washington State, where they miss and they can miss again and then still recover like Washington State has done uh, prior to Leach and now with Leach? Yeah, I, I do. I, I feel that Oregon State and Washington State are just so similar in so many ways. Um, and I do. I, I think I, I think it's important that Oregon State gets this one right, at least getting them back to being competitive. Maybe this isn't the home run hire that takes you um, you know, to the Rose Bowl, but get gets you competitive and gets you – back on the map, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, Oregon State is not relevant in recruits' minds, in opponents' minds. Um, so they need to get someone that will bring Oregon State and get some excitement back with the fans and the boosters because it's probably at a, a big a low as I've seen. Um, before we get to the recruiting thing, because how do we have a podcast on a coach leaving and have you as a coach and not address the, re- the recruiting stuff, and I know you guys at Blitz have been putting up uh, content on that topic all day. Before we get to that, I want to ask you this. So I had an interesting back and forth on my radio show of the catch-22 of which way you go here with the coach. Do you try to go proven older commodity? You know, somebody was trying to say less miles. And it's like, well, first of all, why would less miles leave TV to go make the same money at Oregon State <laughs> to be that coach? Do you go that route? Or do you go up-and-coming coordinator knowing that if he does do well and, and win, I mean, he's basically gone. That's a done deal. He's going to go to another bigger program. Personally, I go, I go with the up-and-comer. You, you can't worry about you know, tomorrow mm-hmm. and them leaving because you know, everybody, everybody thought Gary Anderson was a home run hire. So um, You're right. I would go. I would go with the young up-and-comer. You can pay him a little less mm-hmm. or, or not give them quite as long of a contract. And just see what they can do. Let them cut their teeth a little bit. Um, you know, that's that's. But maybe you know, you might end up hitting the home run. And if they leave, they've left you at a better spot than that's where you true. were. Yeah. So you you know you you are able to maybe either promote from within from that from his staff or, you know, you're in a better spot to go out and get somebody else. All right. Now, how does this? I think the other big part, um, season aside, 
Gary Anderson, speculation aside, how does this impact recruiting now? Where are they at with these recruits that are committed? And, I mean, basically, I think this coaching staff is going to be wiped out at the end of the year. Yeah, I do, too. Um, I do, too. Um, we Adam has, our re- recruiting writer, Adam Nicholson, has been checking in with these guys. And, you know, it was, it was hard for him because a couple of them had heard the news from Adam when he when he touched base with them. So, um, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah, so totally Are you shocked, wait, Are right? you kidding me? No, that was how they heard. So, how do you not reach out to your recruits? Yeah, well, I mean, you're done, man. You're like, I'm out of here. But nobody in that athletic department or program thought it'd be a good idea to touch base first. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. So, good lord. So, um, but you know, from you know, looking at you know the couple, I mean, Oregon State doesn't have a huge class right now, but um, Isaiah Smalls is a big three time or three star tight end. Um, out of L.A. Dorsey. Um, he just got a hold of um, Greg Biggins, national recruiting analyst for us. Quote, I'm still committed to Oregon State. I've talked to other commits, and we are all on board. I'm aware that if a new head coach comes in with a new staff, they are not obligated to keep my commitment. I'm still in, all in, though, and my main focus is actually on our big rivalry game this weekend against Crenshaw. Huh. Spencer Petras, the, the big three-star quarterback out of uh, Marin Catholic, I'm still committed to Oregon State. Andy Koch, the defensive end out of Corona. I'm st- I'm committed to Oregon State. I will go there to play football. That is my school, and I am loyal to them no matter what. Um, are you worried about any of them flipping? Yeah, not not so much those guys, but you know, like a Jake Ducart, the quarterback at Lake Oswego. You know, he said, "I have no comment right now. I just became aware of the situation." Um, but he was an Anderson recruit. That was like a pretty much 100% Anderson recruited him. So. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but he's also committed for baseball. So, um, you know, that'll be an interesting to watch that. Um, Cameron Thomas, the recent, who just recently committed to Oregon State, um, just doesn't have any comments right now. Um, but the rest of them all seem to be, at least now, sticking. You know, the quarterback is always going to be the most tenuous just because you don't know what system they're going to run, the new coach. So, yeah. Um, but I, I do think, you know, Spencer Petras is a really good quarterback. He can move, but he has a really good arm. So, but, I mean, just like just like these kids could flip, whoever they bring in could have, you know. A different feeling about them. A different, a yeah. different feeling or have some, you know, guy that they view as a better prospect that they could pull into Corvallis. You know, that's the other, the other piece of it. So. It's, there's a lot of dominoes. I, I heard from one mom today whose son is on a mission, and you know she's like, I don't know what to do. Um, it's Riley Sharp. He was committed to play for Coach Anderson, and Coach Anderson said, you know, you have a spot for as long as I'm here. And she's like, and now Riley's coming back from his mission here in a few months, and Coach Anderson's not there. Yeah. Um, I want to pass this along because we're recording this on a Monday, and it's 4.15 right now. Uh, your reporter, Amy Schwartz, just tweeted – that Ryan Nall met with the media, and Ryan Nall says he doesn't believe Gary Anderson quit on players, said he wouldn't have showed up to meeting this morning if he had. Okay, I I don't believe that. It's I mean, very, gonna, this is a very, this yeah. is the interesting part, Angie. Again, and I don't, we don't have to rehash a whole big conversation on this, but I'm kind of just, I'm dumb, I'm dumbfounded of a guy can reach his boiling point and walk away and the players like are all I haven't seen one player go against him no not at all so you know I I view this I do I view this as quitting 
You can say, hey, look, if it's health-related and it comes out, I will have no problem saying, all right, good for Gary Anderson. I, I, I you care more about the health of a human than obviously winning football games or being a coach. But I think right now the, the optics read that you quit. And, yeah, and, and, yeah, but the players don't. They're not viewing it that know, way. They're viewing it that way. It's, um, but we don't know what was said behind closed doors. No, and it's drastically – well. I think we at least have an idea that this was broached by Gary Anderson, right? Yes. That this conversation was created by Gary Anderson. Scott Barnes revisited it twice, and every time they continued to talk about it, and Scott Barnes said, hey, you're not in. We need you to be in. Let's just let's just call it good, right? Thank you for everything. Let's call it good. Gary Anderson said, absolutely. Here's $12.6 million. I don't want it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the craziest thing I've ever I've ever seen in my life. I don't think, by the way, we're going to. Um, I, I don't think we're ever going to hear the the true stuff story. No. I think we'll hear rumblings and people will hear rumors, and that's about as far as it's going to go. I don't think publicly you're going to get anything. Um, also, one more just to read from Amy's Twitter feed. Nah, initially thought there was problem with Gary Anderson's family because of his emotions. Something hmm. did. We are his family. Beaver Nation is his family. Hmm. So his, you know, how he was projecting in that meeting obviously was coming across as probably a lot of, I don't know, you'd imagine like guilt and shame and sadness and just all these different emotions. And I, and I do, I think Gary know? loved, I mean, he loved these players and he loves this place. He loved Oregon State. And... uh I mean, I, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to admit that you failed at something like that, right? And that's another big part, too, is kind of just admitting, yeah, it, it, you couldn't get it where you wanted to get it. Um, and then, you know, there was a part in the press conference about, um, and it was Scott Barnes, and he said, when the time comes that you don't want to keep moving forward, and he said, and that was Gary's state. Yeah. That goes right back to your quitting. You know and, I mean? Yeah, and I think that just goes to their conversations of, like, Gary, are you in, and Oh, I don't, you know, it's just tough. It's wearing on me. And, you know, you'd mentioned earlier in the pod, and I think it's important for um, just perspective here. People thought he was like living in Valley Football. Yeah, no, I mean, he was there nonstop. So, I heard, you know, he wasn't sleeping great and he wasn't eating great. Yeah. I mean, this, this was his life. You know, this team and this program is his life. And, you know, when it was broken, he was doing anything. And, you know, so there was no lack of him not trying or not caring. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess and, and look, again, health health needs to be first. I guess at the end of the day, Angie, if you want to make a decision that makes yourself happy, you should live your life that way and not based on others' opinions of you. But I'm, I guess I'm just surprised given how he is portrayed, how he carries himself. I'm surprised that even being in that state, you don't gut it out. You change everything. You kind of go home a little more than you, you were. You deal with the losses, and you clean house and say, all right, yeah. now I'm going to dust my hands off. Now I'm going to get back to the grind, and I'm going to get the coaching staff in here that I know can recruit and get this program back. I think that's where I come in with the quitting thing is he just he walked away from it instead of saying, I can still build this thing back up. He felt defeated. He felt that it was officially done. He couldn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, I think, where he was, too. So, well. Well, I do have, before I run, oh, okay. I, have, um, I just got it approved. And for all of you listeners out there that are not on Beaver Blitz, this is definitely, this is like the time in your life you need to be on Beaver Blitz because we are going to be bringing you 
um, every little rumor and everything we hear, every piece of news. Amy is in Corvallis and in the Valley Center all the time. Um, a buy one month, get one month free at Beaver Blitz right now through Friday. There you go. Fantastic deal. Um, follow the Oregon State story. Uh, we had to do an emergency pod. Um, I don't know where this is going to take the program. I think a lot of people are going to have differing opinions, hope, negative. I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's <laughs> boy, the team's not good, but now there's something to kind of pay attention to, right? There's a reason to be watching, a reason to be following everything. Uh, Oregon State related. A- anything else you want to touch on from in, in this one, or you think we got to everything? No, I think I think we got to it. Let's let's just stick to the news at hand today. And all right, we can we can talk football again in a, in a few days. Okay, all right, we'll do that. Check back in for the normal damn podcast this week. This was an emergency edition that we had to bring to you, Gary Anderson, out at Oregon State after two and a half seasons. I still can't believe that two and a half know, years and, and half just years. done goodbye. We'll see what happens. Scott Barnes says they are going to hire a search firm. No word on an Oregon State-related committee. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a couple days. This has been Emergency Podcast. Brandon Sprague, Angie Machado.